Hello once again and welcome to the SNDJ Wedding Reception Planning Podcast. My name is Stacy Knowles, Entertainment Director and Mobile DJ at SNDJ Entertainment in Pensacola, Florida. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this Wedding Reception Planning Podcast. This is Episode 3, and in this podcast we're going to be talking about the Wedding Reception Outline. We're actually going to be going over a sequence of events for a typical wedding reception, and this is the exact same outline that we go over with our brides and grooms whenever we have a consultation. So you're going to get the exact same information that we talk about when we talk to brides and grooms when we have a meeting with them at Starbucks or wherever we decide to meet with them. We're also going to talk about setting a time schedule and also how much you should expect to pay for a professional wedding DJ. That's a common question that we get, so we're going to get into all that here in Episode 3. Now, if you had not had a chance to go back and listen to the first two episodes of the SNDJ Wedding Reception Planning Podcast, I encourage you to do that because we have a lot of information there. We talked about uh, some common myths and some common truths about hiring a professional wedding DJ. We gave you some tips on hiring a professional wedding DJ. And then we also uh, went through the entire process from the first consultation all the way through until we loaded the last piece of equipment into our vehicle at the end of the reception. We just gave you a brief overview of your entire experience with us in episode two. So make sure you go back and check that out. So we're gonna build on that here in episode three. Also, before we get started with uh, talking about the wedding reception outline, I do want to remind you that this podcast is actually for everybody. Now, we are based in Pensacola, Florida, but that does not mean that this podcast is just for people in Pensacola or people along the Gulf Coast who are getting married. You're going to find something from this podcast regardless of where you are. If you're somewhere in the, uh, another part of the country or around the world, we uh, guarantee that you're going to get some information from this. So again, it's not just for people getting married in Pensacola or the Gulf Coast. This podcast is for everyone. So if you're planning a wedding reception, you're going to get something out of this. I promise you that. All right, let's go ahead and get started with episode three. Now, in episode two, we talked about the entire process from the first consultation until the end of the reception, but I'm sure you still have questions like, what happens at a wedding reception, and how do I plan and perform a wedding reception? Well, in this episode, we're going to zero in on the reception itself and go into more depth about what we discussed in episode two. I'm going to go over, again, the same sample reception outline and sequence of events that I go over with my potential clients when we have a consultation. Now, keep in mind, though, this outline is merely a suggestion. You may have a wedding DJs who recommend a different format in your area, and you may have some who don't even handle the planning at all and have someone else handle those details. As I mentioned before, at SNDJ Entertainment, we serve as the wedding reception entertainment director and coordinator for the reception. Also, we tell all of our brides and grooms this outline is not written in stone and we can definitely customize it for them. We can take things out, add things in, and rearrange things to fit their preferences. But oftentimes when I meet with a bride and groom, they have no idea where to even start. So we help them out by giving them this outline and going over uh, over with them and giving them something to think about. And this is probably the order that 95% of our brides prefer once they see the outline. But again, we'll always adjust the outline to fit their particular needs. Now let's say you're interested in hiring SNDJ Entertainment. So I'm going to talk to you as if you were my potential client and we were meeting at Starbucks or doing a video consultation. And here's a walkthrough of a typical wedding reception. Now we start out with our pre-reception visiting time. This is the period after your ceremony and before you arrive for your grand entrance. That's why you're having your pictures made. During this time, as guests begin to arrive at the reception site, I will introduce myself, I'll welcome all the guests, and let them know that we will be recognizing our wedding party as soon as you are finished with your photos. For our bride and groom, I always tell my brides, grooms, and our photographer to make sure that you take your time and get all the photos you need. Don't feel like you need to be in a rush. 
to get through your photos because I believe it's important to make sure you get all the photos you need. I'll entertain your guests and we'll make sure that we get things started whenever you're finished with your photos. So again, take your time on getting your photos. I think it's really important that you make sure you get all the photos you need. Now, once you're finished with your photos and are ready to be announced, I will meet with you and the other members of the wedding party privately. I'll make sure everyone is lined up for the wedding party introductions and give your wedding party instructions on what to do once they get announced. I will then go back in the room, get everyone's attention, and cue up the song that you would like for your wedding party to come out to. And if you don't have a song, that's okay. Also, for the introductions, we can announce anyone you would like to be announced. I've had some brides that want the entire wedding party announced, along with the parents and grandparents. And then I've had others who would just prefer the bride and groom get announced without any other members of the wedding party. It's been, again, it's based on your preferences. And usually after the introductions, I will ask the wedding party or just the bride and groom, if that's the situation, to remain on the dance floor for about 30 seconds so that any guest or family member who would like to get a photo of them can do so. Next, we will move into what we call the socializing time. Now, this is a time when we give you, our bride and groom, a few minutes to socialize with your guests before dinner. This time serves as a dual purpose. Not only does it give you a chance to greet all of your guests personally, but if you are serving a buffet and the food isn't on the heaters in the buffet line, this would be a great time for the wait staff to be getting the food out. So while you're mingling, the wait staff can be getting the food put out on the tables so that it hasn't been sitting out the whole time getting cold. Now let's say dinner is ready at this point, and if you'd rather go right on into dinner and just omit this part and not have a socializing time, we can do that as well. We've also had brides and grooms say that they want to socialize. Then I've had others who say that they'd rather go right into dinner and eat after they are introduced. Again, either one is fine. We'll set it up however you would like to do it. Now, after you've finished socializing and after I've checked with the waste staff to make sure dinner's ready, I will then invite the person designated to give the blessing up to the microphone if you want to say a blessing. Once the blessing is complete, I will then ask you, our bride and groom, to lead the buffet line followed by your parents, grandparents, the wedding party, and finally, your guests. Now let's say you aren't having a buffet, then I would ask everyone to sit down before the uh, blessing, then have the wait staff serve you. And during dinner, we will be playing some music of your choice, so whatever you want, and it's completely up to you. Sometimes I have brides and grooms who want to be more traditional and have us play some light classical music, like say, Kenny G, uh, during dinner. Other times I've had brides and grooms choose country love songs, R&B love songs, and even adult contemporary music, such as Jack Johnson, Ed Sheeran, Colby Calais, Billy Joel, artists like that. And then I've had some that would say I would just like a mix of all the above, which we can do that as well. We'll pretty much customize it however you'd like to do that. But if your wedding is around the holiday season, we can also play Christmas music during dinner as well. When it looks like most guests are finished eating, I usually check with you to make sure that you're ready to move on to the next events, which are usually the toast and the cake cutting at this point. What I like to do is I like to give at least a 10-minute notice before we do all the toast and the cake cutting. So when I check with you, that's usually to verify that we'll be ready to do these events in about 10 minutes or so. That way, if you need to run to the bathroom or take care of something else like touch up your makeup or something, you can do that. I will also check with your other vendors, such as your photographer, to make sure that they're ready as well. In case they need to switch out a battery or cartridge, or even in a few cases I've had... Uh, photographers who've had to run out to their car and get a cartridge or something like that. They've got time to be able to do that. I'll then announce to your guests that we're going to be doing the toast and the cake cutting in about 10 minutes so that they can have their drinks ready or the wait staff can go ahead and start passing out champagne if you have chosen to do that. At the end of that 10 minute period, I will once again check with you to make sure that you're ready the persons giving the toasts are ready, and the other vendors are ready. Then, and only then, will I announce these events once I've verified everyone is ready. 
Now with your toast, we have a couple of ways we can do them, and we can even do them both ways if you wanted. We have what we call the traditional toast, which is probably what you've seen at most wedding receptions you have attended. This is when someone has a pre-planned speech ready to go, such as the father of the bride, best man, maid of honor, and whoever you indicated would be proposing a toast when you filled out your information form. Sometimes we have several people who will be proposing toast, and we may only have one person. Again, that's totally up to you. There is no limit on who you would like to propose a toast. We can also do what we call an open toast. Now, this is where we open up the microphone to everyone who would like to say a few words to you. I call it the Phil Donahue method because I usually ask if anyone would like to say a few words and then I take the cordless microphone to them at their table. I tell my brides and grooms this is optional and you know your friends and family better than I do. If you think we'd be there till 4 a.m. with everyone wanting to get on the microphone or if you don't want your Uncle Larry to get the microphone because he may give a two-hour speech, then we can skip this part. That's totally up to you. I've also had brides and grooms say that they like this idea, but instead of opening the microphone to everyone in the room, they just want to open it up to just the wedding party. Again, this is totally up to you, and we'll customize it however you want to do it if you want to do an open toast. Now, following the toast, we will do the cake cutting. This is always a fun time. I ask everyone to turn their attention to the cake table as I direct the bride and groom to cut the cake. Sometimes brides and grooms like to feed the cake to each other, which is tradition, and other times they like to smear the cake on each other's faces. I've seen it done both ways. And even one time I had the bride and groom pick up a piece of cake and throw it at each other, but that was a very rare occasion. But if you wanted to do something like that and the venue doesn't mind, have at it. Remember, it's your reception and we can do what you want to do. Now at this point, we'll move on into the bouquet throw. I will ask the single ladies to join the bride on the dance floor and I'll give her a countdown from three. She will throw the bouquet on one. I have had brides say that they don't have many single friends but still wanted to do a bouquet throw. Well, that's not a problem at all. We can always change it up a bit. For example, we can call all the ladies out, single or married, and say the one who catches the bouquet is the next one to have a baby or win the lottery. One time I did a wedding right after a hurricane and much of the area was still without power. Well, the bride didn't have a lot of single friends, so I said the person who catches the bouquet will be the next one to have their power turned back on. So if you want to do a bouquet throw, we'll make it happen one way or the other, and you don't have to have a lot of single friends to do that. Next, we will have a, ask for a chair to be placed in the middle of the dance floor. The bride will sit in the chair while the groom removes the garter. After that, I will invite all the single guys to join the groom on the dance floor for the garter toss. Just like with the bouquet throw, I will then give the groom a countdown from three, and he will toss the garter on one. Then I will ask for a chair to be placed back in the middle of the dance floor. The gentleman who caught the garter will now place it on the leg of the lady who caught the bouquet. Now this, of course, will be done with the bride and groom's permission. Sometimes kids may be involved, or maybe the bride and groom aren't really comfortable having the guy place the garter on the woman's leg. In either case, we can skip this part, and we can have both of them come out on the dance floor and just pose for a picture together as an alternative if you'd rather do that. Well, it's now time for the spotlight dances. We usually start out with our father-bride dance, mother-groom dance, and then if you have any other spotlight dances, we can go ahead and add those in at this point. I've had brides that have a biological father and a stepfather, so she may choose two father-bride dances, or she may want to add a spotlight dance with her grandfather, a favorite uncle, her brother, or even her mom. We'll add in however many spotlight dances you want to customize this part of the reception to fit your preferences. We will then conclude the spotlight dances with the most climactic moment of the entire reception. That's our bride and groom's first dance as husband and wife. At this point in the consultation, I often have brides and grooms mention that they've been to other weddings where the bride and groom's first dance was done after the wedding party introductions at the beginning of the reception. 
Well, my answer to that is simply this. If you notice the way we have everything set up in this outline, we're actually building up to the big moment of your first dance. When we go over this outline, 95% of our brides and grooms like the idea of building up to the big moment. But we also have brides who tell us that they would rather just get their first dance done and over with when they first enter the reception. Either one is fine, and if you would rather get your first dance done and over with after your grand entrance, we can certainly do that. As I mentioned before, we'll customize your reception to fit your preferences, and it's just a matter of what you would rather do. Now, when your song has about a minute and a half uh, to a minute left, I will then invite the wedding party out to join you for that last minute or so. That will lead us right on into the open dancing. Now, one good benefit to having the wedding party join you for the last minute is because it creates a nice build-up to the open dancing. The reality factor is, and maybe you've noticed this at other wedding receptions or parties that you've attended, nobody wants to be the first person out on the dance floor when we open the dance floor. But with you and the wedding party already out there, it kind of makes it easier for people to come on out on the dance floor and join you as we open the dance floor. From this point on, we will play the songs that you requested on your information form, as well as take requests from your guests for the remainder of the evening. About five minutes before the end of the reception, we'll do your final dance. Now, typically what we do is I will ask you to stand in the middle of the dance floor, and then I will ask all of your friends and family to join in with your, uh, their significant other and form a circle around you. And that creates a very memorable ending to your reception. After the final dance, I will then wish you well, thank all your guests for coming, and then we will conclude the reception. The most common way to end the reception is to have all guests move outside and form two lines for you to run through. They may light sparklers, blow bubbles, or throw birdseed. Of course, that will all depend on your venue and what they will allow as well. So that's a walkthrough of a, a wedding reception. As I mentioned before, we can always add things in, take things out, or rearrange things to fit your preferences, but that does give you a great overview of a wedding reception. Sometimes brides want to add in other elements, such as the shoe game or the money dance, and we'll talk more about that in another podcast and give you some extra elements that you can add into your wedding reception. Now that we've gone over the sample reception outline, let's talk about a term you will probably hear a lot during your wedding planning, a timeline. So what is a timeline? Well, that's a detailed time schedule. A timeline is a great idea for everything up to and including your ceremony. However, a detailed timeline or time schedule for your reception is something that we don't recommend. And to be honest, anytime we've ever heard of a bride and groom setting up a detailed time schedule for their reception, well, let's just say they've not been very happy doing that. And what do we mean when we say we don't recommend having a detailed time schedule for your wedding reception? Well, an example would be saying uh, something like the uh, bride and groom will enter the reception at exactly 7 o'clock. The cake cutting will be at 7.30. The father-bride dance will be at 7.55. Your first dance will be at 8 o'clock, etc. Well, there are several reasons why we wouldn't recommend that. One of the main reasons, and the most important in my opinion, is setting up a detailed timeline like that will make your reception seem very structured and will only add stress on you and everyone else. And your reception is the, is the one part of your wedding that is supposed to be laid back and relaxing. It's a party, after all. We want you to concentrate on enjoying the last few hours of your wedding day without being stressed out about trying to stay on time, which leads me to my next point on why we don't recommend a timeline for your reception. Well, you wouldn't stay on time anyway. One little glitch or delay would throw everything off, essentially rendering the detailed timeline pointless, so there's no reason to do one. And I've had brides and grooms tell me that other vendors would try to get them to set up a detailed timeline for the reception because they want to know when things will happen so they won't miss any major events. 
Well, I put their mind at ease by telling them that they don't have to worry about that. As we discussed earlier, even though we won't be setting everything up on a detailed time schedule, we're going to set everything up on an organized sequence of events. Before I announce any major events, I will be checking with you, the bride and groom, then your other vendors to make sure everyone is ready, and I won't announce any major events until everyone is ready. So it's not necessary to set up everything on a detailed time schedule because we will make sure that your other vendors know in plenty of time what's going to happen, and we won't do those events until everyone is ready. We'll also make sure your guests know when everything is going to happen as well. Now when it comes to times for your reception, you only need three. The first is a start time, which is the time that you want your DJ set up playing background music, a time to have dinner ready, and an end time for the reception. That's it. Everything else will fall into place as we go along, and your reception will actually set up its own timeline as we move through the evening. So if another vendor says you need a detailed timeline for your reception, trust me, you don't. We'll make sure your reception is organized, fun, laid back, stress-free, and we'll also make sure that each one of your vendors knows what will happen and when. Now one of the most common questions I get is how much can I expect to pay for a professional wedding DJ? Well I'll be honest with you, professional wedding DJs are not cheap. When I talk about professional wedding DJ prices, I'm going to be talking about the rates here in Pensacola, Florida during the month of February 2022. Now keep in mind prices and rates could be different in your area and they could be different in Pensacola if you're in fact listening to this at some point in the future. When it comes to how much you can expect to pay for a professional wedding DJ, there are a lot of factors, including your market, the DJ's experience, and many other factors such as taxes and other things that come into play. For example, when I say your market, that means depending on where you live, you're going to pay a higher or lower rate for a professional wedding DJ like anything else. A professional wedding DJ in Los Angeles, New York City, or Chicago will probably charge a lot more than a professional wedding DJ in the small community of Fruithurst, Alabama with a population of only 500 people. Well, the cost of living is much higher in larger markets, among other things, so there definitely will be a pricing uh, difference just like there is with everything else. There isn't a blanket national set price for professional wedding DJs, but in Pensacola, Florida, you can expect to pay around $1,000 for a professional wedding DJ. Now you may pay more or less depending on the service, but when brides ask me how much they should budget for their DJ, I usually say around $1,000. It also could be more or less depending on the services, such as if you want direct decorative uplighting, a custom monogram, maybe your wedding ceremony and reception are in two different locations at two different venues, and your, your DJ will uh, be needed for both. Well, in those cases, you would probably pay more than $1,000. Oftentimes, brides and grooms may look at that and say, wow, that's a lot, and it goes back to the misconception that a DJ just handles music that we talked about in episode one of our podcast. Well, if a professional wedding DJ just came to your reception, set up, played music for a few hours, broke down, then left, yeah, I can understand it. $1,000 would seem very expensive, but what I tell brides is when you factor in, when you hire a professional wedding DJ, your rate also includes all the planning, consultations, preparation, labor, the time he spends at your reception, his MC fee, and the overall 15 to 20 hours that he will spend from the first consultation until we load the last piece of equipment into our vehicle at the end of the night, then brides and grooms usually agree around $1,000 sounds more reasonable. So now you may be asking, how can I afford a professional wedding DJ and are there ways to save money on a professional wedding DJ? Well, the answer to both of those questions is yes, and we'll be talking about that in episode four of our podcast. We'll talk about ways that you can save money, some tricks, and how you can afford a professional wedding DJ and have a nice wedding reception by saving money altogether. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope this has helped you out in your wedding planning process. 
And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me directly. The SNDJ Entertainment phone number is 850-501-1590, or you can email me directly at weddings at sndjpensacola.com. That's weddings at sndjpensacola.com, and I'll be glad to answer any questions that you may have. Once again, my name is Stacy Knowles, Entertainment Director and Professional Wedding DJ at SNDJ Entertainment in Pensacola, Florida. I'll talk to you in our next podcast. Take care.